Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to The Leader through your favourite podcast provider and get all our news, commentary and analysis every weekday at 4pm. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Well, my friends, good morning, everybody, my friends. Well, we did it. During the biggest Conservative majority since the 1980s. Hi, I'm David Marsland, and this is the newsroom of the Evening Standard, just after we dispatched our first edition, earlier than normal, to get our news and analysis onto the streets of London and online first. This has been an extraordinary election, and the result is historic. We're expecting the biggest majority of any government for 18 years, the highest number of Conservative seats since Margaret Thatcher. In this special edition of the podcast, we're going to be grabbing members of our senior editorial team to get their takes on what happened last night and where the country is going next. And we may as well start at the top with our editor, George Osborne, who knows a thing or two about elections. George Osborne, Boris Johnson has called this a stonking majority, which it certainly is. It's definitely historic. He has an extraordinary amount of power in this next parliament. What's he going to do with it? Well, it's certainly a very big win by Boris Johnson. He's got the biggest Conservative majority since Margaret Thatcher. Uh, And all credit to him, you know, he took a big gamble in calling this election and he put himself absolutely front and centre of this campaign. And that means that he is, as as you say you know, in a very powerful position today. question is, what does he do with it? Well, we explore this actually in the editorial in the Evening Standard today. First of all, he, of course, gets Brexit done. Now, people will say getting Brexit done is more complicated than just leaving the EU, but that's still a very big step. And uh, as a result of the election, we will be out of the EU by the end of January. And then we will negotiate this trade deal, and that might take longer than a year, Boris Johnson's got a pretty free hand now to do that. Uh, second, I think he has to reach out to all these communities now that have Conservative MPs. I mean, of course, you know, governments should govern for the whole country anyway, but he'll be under pressure from his own parliamentary party, from his own MPs to do things to help these industrial towns in the Midlands and the North that have felt uh, left behind by globalisation. And I think it's important to make a distinction between the kind of towns and the cities, which have seen a, a revival. And then the final thing which is not something necessarily he will want to do, but something he'll have to deal with is the challenge of the union, of of the fact that Scotland voted for the SNP, that Ireland you know, has uh, all sorts of challenges now with, indeed, for the first time ever, uh, a majority of the MPs coming back being nationalists. And uh, you know those issues of the union, I think, will come to play a very big part in his premiership. But because he has that sizable majority... Certainly in the case of Scotland, he doesn't have to have an independence referendum, does he? 
not only doesn't have to have one, but I don't think he will have one. I think there's no prospect of Boris Johnson agreeing to, or indeed the Conservative government, agreeing to a, another independence referendum. Uh, and, you know, the SMB can can complain all they like, can, can create all sorts of uh, excuses for kind of harrying the Westminster government uh, over the issue, but ultimately you need a majority of MPs in the House of Commons and, and indeed people in the House of Lords to vote for the legislation that creates a referendum. That's what happened in 2014 when we last had a Scottish referendum. I don't see this Conservative government really ever doing that. But I think the issue won't return front and centre to British politics until after the Scottish parliamentary elections in uh, a year or so's time. So I think the issue, not parked, but I, I don't think it will become the kind of red-hot issue, uh, at least for a period of time. Looking at Brexit and thinking about some of those constituencies, those Leave constituencies that went from Labour to Conservative, there's going to be a lot of expectation on his shoulders. He is going to disappoint them, isn't he? Well, not necessarily. I, I mean, it's only day one of this new government. I don't think we should start out being negative. Um, you know, these, these communities have felt... Uh, left behind, left behind by globalisation. Um, and although governments of all persuasions, including the one I was part of, tried to do things to help them, there's no doubt that at the Brexit referendum and then again at this general election, you know, they 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 wanted to be heard. And the way they were heard in this election was by rejecting the uh, Labour affiliation that many of them have had for decades and voting Conservative and voting in particular for Boris Johnson. Uh, I think there are things you can do. Uh, I think just to throw up your hands and say there's nothing we can do to help these communities is is a huge mistake. Uh, and I would sort of point, and indeed our editorial points, to the example of the great northern cities like Manchester and Leeds and Newcastle, which 30 years ago you know, had enormous problems and their city centres were hollowed out and no one would go to the centre of Manchester or Leeds now are really buzzing and thriving and there's a huge amount of jobs and people live there and and so on so the cities have been a great success story not so straightforward to replicate that in the in the industrial towns and the seaside communities that have around them uh, but i think it can be done i think you can construct construct for example commuter networks which we take for granted perhaps in parts of london so that people can travel into the cities and and and, and travel out again uh, and and go to where the work is and and live in their communities and you know that those sorts of answers essentially you know are part of what I described as the Northern Powerhouse I think is going to become a big part of the Conservative program. He was recorded this morning talking to aides at Tory HQ saying, "We must understand now what an earthquake we have created. We have to grapple with the consequences of that." Do you think he's grappling with those consequences just now? Is he gone? I didn't expect this either. I think he's in probably a pretty good mood at the moment. <laughs> I don't think he's... Uh, I don't think you've described himself as grappling with the problem of winning a big majority. Um, you know, for him, this is a big vindication, you know, not just of the decision to call the election, which lots of people said was, a, you know, a risk, uh, but of the campaign he fought, and which was very disciplined. You know, he, didn't, he wasn't straying off message as he sometimes does. Um, and very focused on that slogan of get Brexit done. I guess also a vindication from his point of view of his decision to lead the vote leave campaign, to resign from the May government over her deal as foreign secretary. 
So, you know, this is this is not a, a victory you know, one day in the making. You can look at Boris Johnson's career for a number of years and see it sort of heading towards this moment, and you will feel, you know, I think uh, quite understandably vindicated. Um, of course, he's now, you know, politics doesn't stand still, um, and you have to start governing. He won't face much opposition to begin with because the Labour Party is, you know, disintegrated and the Liberal Democrats are non-existent. Um, so he will have a pretty free run of things, but he really needs to use this early um, opportunity, this, essentially this honeymoon period. And, you know, I, again, I remember from my period in politics, you know, you can do so much more in those first six months than you can do in your last six months. And, and you know, the smart governments, the smart pol- political leaders know that and act quickly. And so he's got one very big thing to do, which is to, get the withdrawal agreement passed but that in a way is a done deal now it's what else he does and what he what goes in the budget in the spring next year which i think should be the focus of attention what's his first thing is he going to do probably go to bed i imagine <laughs> i mean i've been up for i've been up <laughs> since last night and i haven't slept and nor is he so i remember now i do remember in 2015 when we won and i came back to downing street from my seat in the north of england um you know and got back at about 10 in the morning, um, having not slept all night. And, you know, you don't need sleep to begin with because you're just elated. And it's a very good feeling when you've won an election. Um, but, you know, the I think it will there'll be some activity next week with the Queen's speech and the, um, and the um, withdrawal agreement. But this will be on kind of cruise control, frankly. Uh, and he will cruise into Christmas and um, I suspect have a pretty good Christmas. I'm going to let you... Get off to bed, okay? Thank you very much. <laughs> Next, somewhere around here are our associate editor Julian Glover and Londoner editor Aisha Hazarika, who you may have seen on several TV shows last night. I don't think she's had any sleep yet either. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have with me our associate editor, Julian Glover, and our London editor, Aisha Hazarika. Aisha, let's start with you. What happened to Labour? Um, we got absolutely massacred uh, last night. I mean, I was expecting a Tory majority of maybe about 
20, I thought that would be quite good for the Tories. I mean, I was obviously secretly hoping for, not so secretly hoping for a hung parliament, but I mean, when that exit poll dropped and looking at the size of that majority, I mean, I was absolutely gobsmacked. And the excuses came out really early. I was watching John McDonnell within minutes of the exit poll coming out, immediately blaming Brexit. Is that... Is it Brexit's fault? No, it's not Brexit's fault. Brexit was definitely a difficult factor. It was the fault of the leadership. And I was struck by Jeremy Corbyn's speech that he made from his count in Islington in the wee hours of the morning, where he didn't show any contrition or any sense of humility to say, look, we really, really got this wrong. It was actually, oh, you know, it was the media's fault. It was everybody else's fault. It was Maureen Lipman's fault. It was the chief rabbi's fault. It was my fault. It was Tony Blair's fault. It was like my mum's fault, you know. And I think what we saw last night was that um, the project that is Corbynism was tested and it was tested to destruction. Julian, did Labour lose this or did Boris win it? Boris won it. And we're going to have to get used to a new reality, which is the Conservative Party is where it's at and it's where it ends. Everything is in their hands now. Whether they make a success or a failure of it, we don't know. There's a lot to worry about as to what's going to happen. But that's where politics is going to take place. It's where power sits. Everything else has gone into the shadows and may be in the shadows for a long time. Poor old Lib Dems mm. actually gained some votes. Didn't do very well. Went Started the campaign near 20%, finished it near 10%. So they did tank during the campaign. But nonetheless... Um, 300,000 votes for every Lib Dem MP. It's, 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 a, it's a system that punishes you when you start to lose. Labour lost, Lib Dems lost badly, Tories, Boris Johnson definitely won. Lib Dems lost their leader. Jill Swinson voted out. Did she deserve that? I suspect she's probably quite relieved. It would have been awful to come back and have to try and gather the forces together. I'm she not- lost by a couple of hundred votes. She'll be quite sad, but in the end... Did she deserve it? She put up a very fight. Somebody had to lead the Lib Dems after Vince Cable stopped. There weren't many MPs to choose from. She seemed to be the right force. She didn't make a catastrophic error. The tone seemed a bit wrong. And I think she suffered a lot from a kind of bullying. There was a there was a feeling of she's the one to pick on in this campaign. But and- I do I do think I think she will have been very upset to have lost that because I think Joe Swinson and, you know, talking to people who are close to her doesn't have the most amount of self-awareness and she did feel she fought a good campaign I think she felt she did what she sort of had to do and she only lost by a few hundred votes and of course she'll be saying to herself today if I hadn't been going around the country on the big Joe Swinson battle bus and I'd been knocking on doors in the constituency I might have found 150 people to get back an honourable mention for the Londoner because we actually ran a wee story uh, like about two weeks ago we got a little leaked email from uh, her constituency chair to a private group of people saying we're actually really worried about Joe's seat and this is while Joe was touring around going I'm ready to be Prime Minister so I feel like we called it quite early on the Londoner but I think for I think Julian's right look I'm devastated about the result last night but even I have to concede with objectivity that the Tories fought a very ruthlessly focused campaign and there is support they do have a mandate and I think a big question not just for the Labour Party but for the progressive left in general the collapse of the Liberal Democrats the absolute failure to launch of a centrist party this year with the whole independent group and Change UK the collapse of the Labour Party 
there is something going very, very wrong with progressive politics. Yeah, I, su- I suggest they all, all of them get together, not not the crazies in the Labour Party, but the bit of the Labour Party that isn't crazy, including some of the ones who lost. I and think a few it's mainly the Tories, in this room now. Mainly, mainly, mainly Aisha, who may have to be the next leader of the Labour Party and then Prime Minister. Um, <laughs> but but we'll are. allocate that job to her. Um, <laughs> the, the, I'm sure it'll mean a pay cut from the Londoner's Diary, so she'll have to talk, she'll have to, talk to her accountant about whether she, whether she can do it. I think, I think what they all need to do is to get together and go to an island somewhere and spend about two years working out what they get, you know, what what they actually believe in, and what they what they who gets on with whom, and then come back and then tell us when the country begins to get interested in the next election, which will be several <laughs> years away. So there's no point worrying about it right away. And get together and say, here we are, we're going to stand together. How long will Jeremy Corbyn stay in charge of Labour, and who's going to replace him? So I think Jeremy Corbyn will stay for a very short period of time just to sort of stabilise. I have a feeling that a sort of caretaker role might be given to John McDonnell because I think there's so much anger about where the party is but I think they won't rush to have a leadership contest straight away because they want to make sure that they can give enough time so that the left has time to organise itself. Who's going to do PMQs? Uh, Jeremy Corbyn will do PMQs. I, I think you, the, you wouldn't want to wound um, one of your rising stars like at this stage. You don't think the parliamentary party is just going to elect a leader of its own? No, 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 no. I don't think that's going to sort of happen. Um, but it's going to be absolutely painful. But the names to look out for are um, Rebecca Long-Bailey, Angela Rayner, Emily Thornbury. I think Jess Phillips will have a crack at it as well. The men to watch out for, Keir Starmer. I hear Barry Gardner is dusting off his leadership um, credentials. Um, so be prepared for like Gardner's question time, perhaps. Oh, um, and Goodbye um, Labour then, won't you? <laughs> exactly. But what you're going to see is... Again, this constant battle that the Labour Party is having, a battle for the kind of existential soul of the Labour Party, whether it goes even more to the left or does it try and be dragged back somewhere towards the centre. And that's The Leader. Subscribe through your podcast provider to make sure you don't miss out on our commentary, interviews and analysis every weekday at 4pm. And try out our audio news bulletins on your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. The Leader is back on Monday. <laughs>